You are listening to Become a Guitarist Today podcast with Adam Roach. Hey there, and welcome to episode number 150 with my guest today, Nelly Brosh, all the way from Las Vegas. Now, this is actually a very special podcast for me. It's my fourth anniversary of the podcast. So the first episode was actually published on 1st of August, 2017. So exactly four years ago today. So thank you again to all the people listening and subscribing to the podcast, downloading the episodes, and just for everything. So the opening track you are hearing is by Nelly Brosh. It's her single that was released last year in 2020. The song is called Estranged. Now don't forget to check out the link in the show notes to find out all about Nelly's other albums that she has out as well. Go to her website and you can see it all there. She's an incredible player and has played with some of the, the world's best musicians, including Stu Hamm, Virgil Donati, and Tony McAlpine. So in today's podcast, Nelly lets us know all about her time growing up in Israel and over to the States to where she is today. Now, before we go to the podcast, again, thank you to my sponsors, so Musician, Custom Guitar Picks, and Arnold Krakola for his drum tracks. So let's have a quick listen to Arnold's advert now to find out more about his business. You don't need a drummer to make an amazing metal song. All you need is access to tracks produced in a great studio by a great engineer. My full-length drum tracks are crafted using the best sounding samples I've been developing for over a decade and have been used by thousands of professional musicians worldwide up to the highest level in the industry, including John Five and Gus G. Stop wasting hours of your time trying to program drums and stop wasting tons of money to have your drummer record in a studio for mediocre results. With my drum tracks, you don't need to worry about any of that. Just drag and drop your tracks Press record and you're done. All of that with a killer, authentic sound. So go to my website, arnokrakovka.com to start rocking. Now we'll be doing a little tiny episode next week, just for all the listeners. We've got a few giveaways for you. So make sure you download that one. So until then, let's go over the interview now with Millie Brosh. Hello. Hello there. How's it going? Good, yourself? Good, good. All right. Yeah. So um, I've seen a lot of interviews where you, you've talked about your whole growing up and everything. So I thought if we just briefly go through that, because I know you started classical guitar, was it at seven? Yeah, but I mean, you know, like I can't really call that classical guitar even. I just like had a nylon string and took lessons and learned basics of finger picking and chords and stuff. But I guess yeah. that contributes to fundamentals. So, yeah. but that's like as far as it went, you know, I wouldn't call myself a classically trained guitarist by any means or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Cause yeah. It, yeah. I mean, it was probably, sim- I started when I was nine and then when I was about 12, which I noticed similar to yourself, you know, I pretty much got into Van Halen, but I know in your mm-hmm. case, it was more the extreme. With yeah. But I mean, that does seem to be the age for a lot of kids to like get into guitar driven music that ends up making you want to practice and stuff right so i I don't think we're alone in that yeah yeah, that's right do you remember your first song that you heard from extreme 
Well, to be fair, it was more than words, like everybody else. <laughs> like I knew wholehearted and stuff like that because my my brother, my older brother Ethan Brosh, like he was a guitar player and he was playing all those songs on acoustic guitar, like around the house and stuff. And I just, you know, I knew and loved those songs. But when I discovered that the rest of the album was not at all like that, <laughs> I actually got more excited because it was the first time in my life that I heard funky rhythms mixed with heavy distortion you know and like yeah. nuno's brand of funky metal type thing and i was just like oh my god that's the coolest thing i ever heard and nothing sounds like my childhood more than those riffs in pornography like still to this day you know like there's just certain places in the in the memory where like it doesn't matter how many times i've forever that record so many times yeah. it'll never sound like anything else so <laughs> yeah yeah he's, he's yeah. an incredible guitarist like you're saying the way he not really introduced, but I mean, he made it famous more that funkier rock, you know, riffs and yeah. everything. Just yeah. incredible. He really like has his own brand of how to do that, which is just like the coolest thing. And it's so difficult to, to nicheify like a little point in that kind of genre, you know what I mean? And like to do that when he was so young too, it's just kind of unbelievable. Yeah. So with your, your brother, so did he influence you a lot as well to get into the guitar? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I definitely wanted to, and especially even earlier, you know, with the nylon string and stuff, I definitely wanted to play guitar to be like him. You know, <laughs> he was like my cool older brother. And I was like, he, you know, what, what musical instrument do you think, you know, you would be good at? Well, I like that one because that's what he plays, you yeah. know, so. Um, but, you know, luckily I loved music and it did kind of cross paths eventually, you know, so it's not to say that I, uh, stayed doing something that wasn't true to myself or anything like that. So how much older is he, your brother? Nine years. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's actually closest to me in age. I have like two older, we have two brothers that are older than the two of us. And oh. so I'm, I'm kind of like the youngest with all the, but that's how I got, you know, a lot of the other classic rock uh, influences and, and older kind of music that, you know, I was born in 88, so yeah. I probably would have come to Pink Floyd and Queen and stuff like that much later otherwise, yeah. if at all, right? I mean, not everyone my age is, uh, is into that stuff. Because you grew up in Israel, didn't you? Was it 12 years? Yeah, yeah. So what was the music scene like there? I know you're only young, but um, like growing up around that time, especially with your brother, I'd say, being nine years older. So was he into the, a lot of that, yeah, the classic rock? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I think I kind of ended up with a bunch of, or just being exposed to a bunch of different kinds of music because everybody in my house listened to like slightly different things. Yeah. So yeah, so there was a lot of the 70s classic rock and then there was a lot of Maiden and heavy metal. And, and then, you know, I was watching MTV when I was a kid and, you know, my dad always listened to classical music and opera like in the house. And, you know, it's just like different things. And growing up in Israel, I heard a lot of Middle Eastern influenced music and different stuff. So I really kind of had a, a large palette, you know, for someone who grew up where and when I did. So I'm very, very lucky for that because... You know, it's it's hard even about music to be open-minded sometimes if you're not, if it's not like shoved in your face, you yeah. know? Right. So like you kind of have to be exposed to it to even give it a chance, right? So I was very lucky in that way. Yeah. Yeah. After that, moving to uh, America, then studying at Berkeley College, 
mm. and doing all that. And then I was pretty much like straight after Berkeley College, you got into the, the Iron Maidens, wasn't it? 2010? Yeah, that was like my first gig out of college. I graduated like three months before or something like that. Um, and then I, I met them or, or like actually a friend of mine saw their listing on Craigslist because she was looking for gigs in LA. We were still living in Boston. Mm. And, uh, and she, it wasn't like really her type of thing, but she thought of me and she's like, Hey, I saw this. And like, I know that, you know, you're not in LA, but you should just hit them up and, and see what they, they say. And I was just like, you know, yeah, if I don't go for this, like, I'll probably like look back and think like, I should have just like tried, you know what <laughs> I mean? So it was really cool. I got to, you know, fly back and forth and sub for them and play with them for a little bit. And it was great experience, especially right after Berkeley, because you know, I was so used to the uh, audience being full of music school kids that were very judgmental. Yeah. And I thought that that's what the world of audiences in real life was going to look like. And especially when you're talking about guitar oriented gigs and, and where other musicians are in the audience or whatever. So I was so ready to to get that. And mm. I was so surprised when I just got oh my God, it's a girl and they're, you know, and they're playing Maiden and all, like, and everybody was so drunk and happy and just like, could not be more into it. Yeah. And I was just like, whoa, this is, this is like a lot easier than I thought, you know, like in that, in that sense, like yeah. I thought it was going to be so more pressure and I got a big party. So mm. it was a, definitely a really kind of like a really good introduction into the, uh, into the real world of playing live, I guess. Well, it sounds like a lot of people that have been in the Iron Maidens have gone yeah. on to do lots of other things as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that band is really amazing because they've been around for so long. They have a great reputation. They've done a lot of really amazing gigs. They have a huge following. And it's it's no surprise to me that it would expose any anyone in that band to other things because they really have been, like I said, they've been around a long time and, and everybody knows who they are. So yeah. it's uh, it's definitely like somewhere to like keep an eye on, you know what I mean? I yeah, think it's right. become that almost. They're the queens of tribute bands almost. Yeah. Right? So. so it's a bit like the, the Atomic Punks, you know, the Van Halen tribute band. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like it seems a lot of their guitarists have done the same thing. They've gone on to mm-hmm. you know, play with David Lee Roth and all other things. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like yeah, yeah. you got those two bands getting all these famous guitarists. Well, I mean, I guess, I don't know. It's not a surprise to me that like, if somebody needs to hire a guitar player of a certain kind, I guess that Mm. that would be a good place to look because, you know, if you do that kind of gig well, then you, you kind of know what you're doing in that genre. So it's, it's a, I guess it's a good place to start if you're looking for players. Right. Yeah, exactly. Now actually talking about uh, Van Halen tributes, because you did the Unchained. Mm hmm. Yeah, a long time ago. Yeah. How did you find that? Yeah. Uh, it was very challenging. Yeah. Uh, and at that time, I mean, honestly, that was really the reason that I dove so hard into transcribing Van Halen, obviously, is because I had to, yeah. you know, but I never really, I mean, you know, I knew like the basic riffs and stuff like that, that everybody knows or whatever, but I never sat down and had myself an education in Eddie Van Halen. And I probably, I mean, truthfully, I probably wouldn't have done it to the extent that I did, at least if I wasn't for, you know, if it wasn't a set that I had to get together. But the amount that it taught me was like unparalleled by anything else, you know, just how much it taught me about where my favorite players like really, truly got their ideas, you know, and like, I always saw the connection, but like to see it that 
clearly and that directly was just kind of like, I don't know. It's like you explained everything I ever tried to learn basically mm-hmm. about, about playing like lead guitar mm-hmm. and rhythm guitar. But yes. So, but it was challenging to play live. You know what I mean? Because, um, because it's a one guitar band and you're used to hearing rhythm guitar and lead guitar and, you know, trying to figure out how to be Eddie, but not be Eddie. And like, you know, all those things were, were challenging and, and, uh, you know, I think maybe if I did something like that now, it would be easier just with the more live experience that I have. But yeah. at that time, it, it was just it was it was a great learning experience for sure. Yeah, because I've had a few yeah. people on from Van Halen tribute bands. I've had like Lance Turner from the Atomic Punks mm-hmm. been here. Actually, I think you know him, Simon Hosford. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've all had different songs that, that were their hardest. Now, do you have a hardest Van Halen song you had to learn? For me, it was... It was like the most unexpected thing like uh for me it was take your whiskey home okay because yeah because like i mean i know it's such a random choice right but it played it on electric you know and it's just the solo was just like weirdly phrased and challenging and i don't know it was just like one of those songs that i felt like just i it, it did not make it sit well yeah so I don't know, yeah. <laughs> but they're all hard, you know, yeah. it's so, so hard, especially if you're trying to like get his nuances in. and like, it's one thing to remember those nuances when you're practicing or when you're playing along to something that has it right there. But like, if you're alive and your own habits kick in and you're trying to remember how to throw in those little things exactly where they are, it's like, it's just a whole other ballgame. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, a couple of the other guys might've said, the ice cream man the solo the, the big stretch mm. going on <laughs> and well wait i've never played that so i don't know <laughs> oh okay <laughs> yeah yeah now there you go saved by the bell right yeah um, yeah <laughs> <That's> <laughs> right. i opted out of certain things no i mean <laughs> i didn't spend that long in that band but the funny thing is that like shortly after i moved to vegas to to play with cirque du soleil and then i played a van halen solo twice a night every night for a yeah. long time <laughs> Um, but that practice like that led to that was definitely super helpful because then, like I said, it kind of got in there and, and became, you know, less challenging than it was in the beginning, let's say. Yeah. And actually also talking about the Van Halen, cause, um, back a long time ago, I used to see a, another Van Halen tribute band called Hans Valen here in Melbourne. It used to go every <laughs> Thursday night and that had, um, Virgil Donati on drums. You're played with. Really? Virgil played in a, in, in a Van Halen tribute? I don't know if he ever told me that. Oh, really? Like. He must have said that because I feel like how would he have not mentioned that at some point? But yeah. I feel like I would have remembered that too. Yeah. So maybe he didn't. I don't know. But, yeah. yeah I've actually funny. got a video somewhere, like a, a bootleg on a VHS. Of oh, wow. Him playing That's here. amazing. But that, that was incredible. He just, you know, he's playing. And um, that was probably my, yeah. the first time I saw him play. I, was like, I think I was like 18, 17, oh, 18. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a life-changing experience to see it for the first time. Yeah. Especially if you're young, so yeah. So how was it playing with Virgil? It was always scary, but <laughs> he's, I mean, he's hes really good about like making you feel comfortable. Uh, and when he explained his own music, it definitely unmystified a lot of the stuff. It was still challenging, but it helped a lot. And yeah, I mean, that, that like I said, you know, that kind of growth like it couldn't have happened any other way other you know it's like i always say like money can't buy those experiences you know what i mean it's like you can get all the lessons in the world and you can go to school and you can do gigs but it's just like when you're 
in the room with that kind of caliber and you're forced to sink or swim, it's like, that's where the real shit happens that you can't, you really can't buy that, you know? And I'm, yeah. I'm super fortunate to have had it at all, but also to like have had it when I was really young and kind of in a way stupid enough to think, not to think it's easy, but like not to think it's impossible. You know what I mean? And that's probably a good thing because yeah. maybe I would have run away from it. <laughs> Uh, otherwise I almost did anyway, but, yeah. but, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm really grateful for that. So, I mean, you've, you've played with some amazing musicians, you know, like Virgil, Stu Hamm, Tony McAlpine, and the list goes on and on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very lucky. Yeah. I'm very lucky. Yeah. I mean, again, Stu Hamm was another one I listened to growing up and learning about bass, listening to him and getting to perform him must've been amazing as well. Yeah. He's, he's, and he's actually one of the, I mean, even before Virgil and Tony, like he's really one of the first people that I met in the industry. Like, I think I didn't even finish school yet. And he came to Boston and he played with like a student band and I was in that band. So that's how we met and we kind of stayed in touch. And then he just, he always helped me out a lot and everything. He's been like super cool from the beginning. And even with uh, Tony McAlpine, because again, a lot of people on the podcast have spoke about him and just said how much of a nice guy he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not, absolutely not an amazing guitarist but just a yeah, really just friendly guy and it really makes you feel Very at home. yeah absolutely like I said I mean they really like took care of me you know like I was young I was like 22 when I met those guys I hadn't left my parents house yet like yeah. I didn't know anything so I felt a lot safer being with with guys like that that I felt like okay they're like my family out here like they're not gonna let me like you know lose my shit or something yeah. <laughs> so. so getting that job with uh Tony McAlpine did he have to like you know, sit down with you, show you the parts, or do you just say, yeah, just learn it, see what you come up with? Um, We kind of did both. Maybe showed me more stuff in the beginning, but I think it was, for the most part, it was, it was kind of like we would go over the songs and kind of figure out, like, this is going to be your part, this is going to be your part, you know, or, like, take the rhythm over here and this lead line or whatever. And then after we did that, then I would go and, and just kind of learn it on my own and then, in rehearsal if there was some discrepancy or if there was something that you know certain things like they just completely were unplayable unless you had them 100 percent both correct and and the way that he uh fingered it and everything so there were always things that needed to be changed or whatever but for the most part i i did most of the work on my own and i think that's part of why he hired me you know because mm. he knew that he didn't have to spend that time like like breaking all that stuff down i mean i'd spend so much time learning music by ear forever that at least it's like I was used to that. Actually, I saw some of your videos where you're. I think I know what you're gonna say, but it, I think it was it was hold the line. Oh yeah, this is hold the line there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're trying to learn it. So, yeah, and it's, you know what's funny about that video is is that uh, I'm actually like you know the software transcribe right, yeah, so yeah. I'm actually using the software transcribe, but I didn't slow it down because after like years of doing it, I just. I don't slow it down. I mean, maybe it's probably faster, but I just like, unless I really have to, yeah. I just, whatever, I just don't. And the amount of emails that I get being like, hey, have you ever heard about this software? You could slow stuff down. It's going to make your life so much easier, you know? And yeah. I'm just kind of like, yeah, that wasn't the point, <laughs> like, you know? But, uh, but, but yeah, I mean... I've, I've never been against slowing stuff down too, because it's, you're doing the exact same process. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just goes by you at a different speed, but you're, you're still there, like trying to hear every note. So.
this is how far back I go with slowing down things. I used to have uh, on a PC and it was like probably Windows 90, Windows XP probably. Mm -hmm. And I still had the Winamp player and it had a plugin called, what was it called? It had some like specific name, but like I've gone back to like the early days of that stuff. So, (laughs) (laughs) and actually, you know what? I I think the great thing about transcribe is not even just that you can slow stuff down. I mean, because there's a lot of softwares that do all those things anyway, but um, the fact that you can change the pitch is huge because I don't usually have a tuned down guitar with me and that's just helpful. And also just, just the fact that it's made for transcription and that you can you can um, loop stuff easily, you can isolate stuff easily, you can like you know circle one note over and over if you, if that's what you wanted. So just the actual abilities of the player like make it so much easier than if you're listening to the song on iTunes or something like that. I think that's why that video looks so ridiculous because they see that it's like a game of like pressing the space bar and like how you know these two notes go by and not get confused by the next two notes or whatever you know. It's just like so just the fact that the player is easier for that um, yeah. is, I think, like the real thing about that software. <laughs> Those of us who have messed with that kind of stuff will probably understand what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, that's right, for sure. I mean, the other videos on your YouTube channel, the Van Halen the jump solo, uh, I've never mm-hmm. seen anyone do the guitar solo and the keyboard solo. That was really cool. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you know what's funny is, like, I wasn't even really thinking about that, just, like, playing other people's parts, but... Mm. Um, one of my friends said that that Vi used to do that live on one of the David Lee Roth tours. Oh, really? And so there must be footage of that out there. But and like, I'm sure that it happened if, if this friend was like saying it. And mm. I think he probably saw it live. But it's really hard to believe at the same time that like that that footage is out there. I mean, it must be out there. And so few people know because most people have said what you said that like they've never seen anybody play it and i'm like I'm pretty yeah. sure vi played it so okay i kind of i gotta go back and look for it because it's it's making me curious now yeah but yeah i like <laughs> i like the way you've done that with the what was the other song um rosanna mm-hmm. where you did the keyboard part and then the solo which is yeah nice. well thank you i mean you know like keyboard solos and, and riffs and stuff like can just be so cool and it just mm. makes me want to play them and i don't a lot of times they're not any more challenging than the guitar solos are. They're just obviously very different. But every once in a while, there's something about them that like is so not for a guitar that it just makes it way harder. Yeah. But usually it's not that bad. Like usually it's just another person's part. So, and then again, you've got your three solo albums out now. Is there a plan for another one soon? Yeah, um, I'm working on it. Yep. I'm writing a ton. I'm not getting to as much time as I'd like to to work on it, unfortunately. But um, but I'm like moving as fast as I can. And I'm like planning to release more of the songs as singles and then as a whole album, just so that the music is out there quicker, you know, yep. because I'm I'm just as an artist or as a person, really, I'm getting sick of making the whole record and then it's like old to me and it's like three years old by the time it comes out or whatever. It's just like, I don't, I don't even want to play it anymore, you yeah. know, but, but like last year was the first time that I put out a single that was like still really new to me because I'd never put out a single before mm. late, you know, when the whole record wasn't going to be right after it. And it was so much better. It was just like so much fresher to me, you know, and it really felt like I'm releasing new music and it's not just new to everybody else. Yeah. And so 
I kind of like that, you know, but uh, somehow it doesn't feel like it's moving any faster that way. So yeah, I'm, I'm working on it and I have a bunch of songs that I'm like really, very excited about. And uh, that's not something that I've always said in the past yeah. with some of my writing. So, so yeah, I'm definitely like excited to, to see where it ends up. No, good. Yeah, because I'm actually doing a, an album, a collaboration album at the moment with a big fan of yours, uh, Phoenix Man Du mm. from Brazil. So, nice. Yeah, so we're doing, uh, we've got like 11 songs, you know, writing some each. Yeah, she said to say hello and um, said, would you be interested? I'll say hi back. Yeah, I will. And she said, um, I'd love to have you play a little solo on the album if you're interested. Oh, sure. Yeah, that'd be great. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Congratulations. I mean, that's big, you know, anytime that you do that, like that's, a huge project so yeah is the plans to to get back into the circus lay and do that again possibly I, i'm not gonna do that full time probably ever again just because 10 shows a week aside from the fact that it's that my body just can't do it anymore like yep. physically i don't think i could at least not in their costume and their guitars <laughs> but um you know it just for that time being it was cool that that was my main thing but i can't make that all that i'm doing it anymore you know i want to yeah. really get out there and stuff so um i'm definitely planning stuff with my band for my original music and more clinics and stuff like that and it's just a matter of when we're sure that it wouldn't get canceled again or whatever so it's like you know your guess is as good as mine what's really going to happen and what won't be but but, you know, Danny Elfman's new album just came out and there's that whole thing. Yeah. So Coachella is still planned for April. I don't know if, again, I don't know if that's going to happen or not. But, mm. uh, you know, that was a big release and uh, I'm sure there's other things that he wants to do. So yeah. we'll see what happens, you know. Uh, how about any other shows with Jennifer and Gretchen? Yeah, that we definitely want to do yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know what? It's funny. I was just thinking about this because in a way, well, what I really want to do now, just on a personal level, is I kind of want to like do as many different things as I as I can, including my stuff and then other people's music. That's kind of always what I wanted. Yeah. And now I feel like I'm at the point where I've put my foot in enough doors to just be like, let me split my time between all of these things. So I kind of feel like I don't ever feel like any of the gigs I've done are over, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I, I feel like you could be seeing me with any one of those people who knows when or what, but like, I don't think any of those doors are like closed, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so it's just a matter of like, what's gonna come up, what's gonna be fun to do, you know? Like, I just feel like there's a lot of music to be played and, and I wanna keep it exciting and, and not just do this one thing, you know? Yeah, that's great, that's really good. Um, yeah, thanks. I mean, I, I was thinking about like doing this this tour for uh, with like a musical, the, like a new musical that just opened and they have this like really, really long U.S. tour booked. Mm. And I was just like, I just I can't imagine like that being the only thing that I'm doing, like no matter how cool it is, you know, it's just like I kind of feel like I want to I'm like noncommittal. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks well, again. Thanks, Adam. That's right. And uh, yeah, I, I really hope to make it down there one day. You know, I actually have family in Melbourne and Australia is like number one on places that I wanted to see. I've never been and I really want to play down there like 
as soon as it's a thing, like I want to go there so bad. Yeah. So. Oh, so you got family in Melbourne. Yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly. So it's just like I could literally just book a vacation and then just like show up and do a clinic just because I'm there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like it shouldn't even be that hard. No, that's so, right. No, oh, no, you do you do well down here. That's that'd be really cool. Yeah, you think so? I mean, I I just kind of like wouldn't really know. You know, I don't have a booking agent for down there, so I wouldn't really know where to start. But it's funny because I've done like so many interviews for Australian people and podcasts and stuff like that. And I'm just like, I'm sure it would be cool. I just like wouldn't know. You know what I mean? And so many of my peers have done it. So I definitely think it's time, you know, and even if not for my fans, just for my own like personal (laughs) selfish enjoyment. (laughs) (laughs) Like my whole life, I dreamed of seeing Australia. And, you know, it's funny because like growing up in Israel, it was one of those things that I just kind of, assumed i would never do because they always told me like it's a 24-hour flight you know you're gonna be sitting on that and i just like as a kid i was just like well never gonna do that (laughs) (laughs) and then when i moved to the west coast and it was only like 15 hours then i'm like well i've done that that's not even that bad so now it just seems like a real possibility yeah it's it's only only a few movies on on the plane let's see here yeah it's like it's really not that bad i mean it's it's really the the jet lag that's gonna kill you right so yeah that's right it's been great talking to you thank you for your patience and everything i really appreciate it thank you very much yeah man all All right right. so we'll we'll talk soon yep no problem see you later thanks bye-bye bye